0: I'm Jessica. I'm Allison. And today we'd like to introduce our guest co host for this episode. Please welcome reference librarian Mary Barrett. Welcome. Hi, everyone. We would like to welcome everyone to to september's more than books library on the go podcast episode seven lizzie borden murderer victim or both this month our topic will focus on the lizzie borden murders we will be centering on the history of the crimes and three theories on who what and why let's go back in time for a second the date is august 4th 1892 the location is fall rivers massachusetts by the way this corset is too tight but this outfit is amazing
1: The morning started out like normal, with husband and wife, Andrew and Abby Borden, and a visiting relative, John Morse, eating breakfast together. About 9 o'clock, Morse left to visit another relative in town, while Andrew headed downtown to visit some of his properties. Left in the house were wife, Abby Borden, Andrew's youngest daughter, Lizzie Borden, and their Irish maid, Bridget Sullivan. Lizzie's older sister, Emma, had left that morning to visit a friend in Fairhaven, Massachusetts, a town about 15 miles away. After breakfast, Abby went upstairs to change the sheets in the guest bedroom. She would not be seen alive again. Sometime later, Andrew Borden returned home and laid down on the couch to take a nap. Shortly after 11 a.m., Bridget, who had been feeling sick, decided to return to her room in the attic to rest after washing the outside windows. Not long after, she heard a scream from downstairs. Lizzie was yelling for Bridget, saying, Maggie, come down! Come down quick! Father's dead! Somebody came in and killed him! Lizzie then sent Bridget across the street to the family physician's house. Because what you do apparently, finding something violent happening in your house, is send out the only other person? Well, someone's gonna get him up a phone so both go i'm not staying put there anyway lizzie sent bridget across the street to the family physician's house to get help But he wasn't home, so she sent her down the street to get another friend. Andrew Borden had been bludgeoned to death while sleeping on the sofa. His face was almost unrecognizable due to 11 blows from a hatchet or axe. It had happened so recently that his body was still warm to the touch. It was later determined that he died between 10.30am and 11.10am. Shortly after the discovery of Andrew Borden's body, Adelaide Churchill, one of the Borden's neighbors, and the maid Bridget went upstairs to look for her and discovered her body. Abby Borden was found laying on the floor next to the bed in the guest bedroom. It was determined that Abby had died between 9 o'clock and 10.30 a.m., and she had been struck 19 times with a hatchet or axe. It was later determined that she had been facing her killer at the time of the attack, and that the first blow had struck the side of her head, causing her to turn and fall face down on the floor. When the police came, Lizzie told them that she had been downstairs ironing at the time of her stepmother's murder, but had not heard anything from upstairs. She also claimed that a messenger had come that morning with a note summoning Abby to visit a sick friend and she thought that Abby had left the house, but no note was ever found from the home and no sick friend could ever be located. At the time of Andrew's murder, Lizzie told the police that she had been in the loft in the barn for about 15 to 20 minutes looking for lead sinkers for a fishing excursion. Yet the police found that the loft was so stiflingly hot that it was difficult to believe anybody would voluntarily remain there for as long as 20 minutes. They also found no footprints in the dust on the floor, meaning that they could not substantiate Lizzie's story. At this point, though, Lizzie was not a suspect. The police had no reason to suspect her of anything at the time. We also need to take into account that she did not fit the ideal profile of a murderer. She was a teacher, a spinster, and her family already had money. And the women back then were considered too delicate to harm anyone. Sure.
2: but have though.
1: Okay, that you wouldn't expect a, a little chick to just go off with. Yeah. It was, however, noted that Lizzie was oddly calm, considering how her parents had just been murdered in the house she was in at the time. Oof. Police did not appreciate her aloof attitude, especially since women at this time were expected to react hysterically to tragedy. There is also the fact that at the time of the crime, Lizzie and Bridget were the only ones known to be in the home or on the property. Upon arrival, the police discovered no evidence of forced entry, and all the doors and windows were locked. They did, however, find two hatchets, two axes, and a hatchet head with a broken handle in the basement. The hatchet head was suspected of being the murder weapon, as the break and the handle appeared fresh. There was no evidence of blood on either Bridget or Lizzie, and the only blood found in the house was a bucket of bloody rags in the basement and a drop of it on Lizzie's underclothes. However, the odd thing was that the crime scene itself was oddly clean. One would suspect that due to the violent nature of the crime and the weapon used, there would be a large amount of blood splatter in the room. However, the only blood in the room was on the bodies themselves. Unfortunately, the crime scene quickly became contaminated as it was filled with people other than the police, including journalists and curious neighbors. On top of this, the family was also allowed to just go around and clean the house nobody ever bothered to check anybody's rooms or anything for evidence
2: that's, yeah yeah well but that's it's pretty common for old-timey police people i mean they were doing that into the 40s i'm pretty sure that like with the black Dahlia murders and all that they were contaminating that crime scene too the other thing is you gotta think about it. this is basically this
0: is the victorian era i'm like having someone come over to your house fights then, no, that's scandalous. So we're just going to dust around the bodies? Yeah. And then you've got to clean them up a little bit so they look presentable.
2: Then don't <laughs> let anybody in the house. <laughs> and they didn't have plastic, so they couldn't do the yellow crime scene tape. Exactly.
1: Then have somebody stand in the doorway. This is not an open concept room here. here's the thing about like,
0: when you read Miss Marple? In the one book she has in The Body in the Library, the cop lets Ms. Marple and Mrs. Bantry in because you respect the gentry, and you can trust them not to do anything reprehensible.
1: Like, you know, wind up with bodies in their libraries. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, now they know better, but apparently at the time, they were stupid. So, the police soon came to the conclusion that the murders must have been committed by someone in the Borden household. Okay, so they had SOME sense in there somewhere. Oh, thank god. Yeah. Because of her absence, Emma was ruled out as a suspect, and John Morse and Bridget were never focused on. I mean, Morse wasn't even in the house either. I'm not sure about the maid, though.
0: Well, it's weird because the police are more going to be likely to pin the crime on a man, thus a man from Andrew's first marriage, because he was his first wife's brother,
2: An immigrant. Yeah, that's weird that they never focused on them. Yeah, rather than a Victorian lady. Oddly uh, confident police force (laughs) for the time.
1: I suppose Morse also had the advantage to an outsider of not being from the town either. They definitely would not want a local. Mm
2: hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah.
1: On August 11, 1892, Lizzie was arrested for the murders and pled not guilty. The trial began on June 5, 1893. During the trial, a number of suspicious events were uncovered. Earlier in the week of the murders, Andrew, Abby, and Bridget all suffered from upset stomachs. Abby had consulted Dr. Bowen, family doctor, wondering if someone might be trying to poison them. You don't jump to food poisoning, you go instantly to somebody who's trying to harm us. Which is weird. Yeah. After questioning Abby and Bridget, the doctor attributed their symptoms to leftover food that they'd eaten for dinner that night. Andrew refused to be seen and kicked the doctor out of the house. However, it is interesting that neither Emma or Lizzie fell ill. But this could be due to the fact that they didn't take their meals with the rest of the household.
0: Well, basically at this point, they were pretty much living separate lives. They lived in separate parts of the houses, they didn't really interact all that much.
1: That's kind of weird. hmm Like, this house doesn't seem like it was big enough to have a separate wing or anything. What, you just keep to your corner of the upstairs?
2: Well, from what I understand, their house was particularly Mm maze-like. And it was basically split if you you had one staircase that went to one
0: side of the house and one staircase that, that went to the other side of the house.
1: It seems like a weird design unless you have like a place that's big enough for servants' quarters or something. It's,
2: it's very much the Victorian floor plan. It's actually ah. part of why they thought it must be somebody who lived in the house because how else would somebody have been able to find Abby <laughs> mm-hmm. in a bedroom that there's no logical way to find if you didn't already know your way around the house. Mm-hmm.
1: Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> okay then. Well, also weird at the time was at the inquest it was found that the day before the murders took place Lizzie had tried to buy prussic acid, otherwise known as cyanide, from a drugstore, but was denied because a prescription was required.
2: Why do you need a prescription for cyanide?
1: Because otherwise, that could be used for very bad purposes.
2: What possible reason would you need a prescription for cyanide? At that time, cyanide
0: was considered one of the miracle drugs. They used it in sleeping draughts. they used it in other kinds of medicines. Also, we're beginning to realize that it's not exactly the safest thing ever. Yeah. But they did the same thing with cocaine and arsenic and lead and- Man, were they dumb. Mm -hmm. Oh
2: my gosh, the past was the worst.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Lizzie claimed she wanted to use it on the edging of a sealskin cape. Apparently, you just chill and make capes in the middle of the summer. Mm Mm-hmm. She
2: has access to
1: sealskin? I think she said she got it as a gift. She's a (laughs) (laughs) silky. If she had any sense, she would have found her cape a little sooner and (laughs) amscrade. (laughs) The <laughs> fact that she stuck around after it seems a little hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not the best plan. On the morning of the murders, Bridget Sullivan said that when Andrew returned from his walk about ten thirty, the lock on the door was jammed and Bridget had to let him in. During this time, she testified that she had heard Lizzie laugh from the top of the stairs. However, Lizzie denied this. Shortly after Andrew came home, he asked where Abby was, and Lizzie replied that she had received a note to visit a sick friend. However, neither the sick friend nor the note was ever found. Lizzie said that when her father returned from his walk, she'd helped him remove his boots and changed into his slippers before he laid down on the sofa for a nap. However, when the police found his body, he was still wearing his shoes. The front door and all the windows on the first floor had been locked. Therefore, the only way to have entered the house was through the kitchen. But the women were in and out of the house all morning. If someone had come in, how had they managed to commit two crimes 90 minutes apart and escape without drawing any attention to themselves? on august 7th three days after the murders alice russell one of the borden's neighbors observed lizzie burning a blue corduroy dress in a kitchen fire when she asked lizzie about it lizzie explained that she chose to destroy the dress because it was stained with old paint The suggestion to burn the garment was made by her sister emma both andrew and abby's wills were missing and again the bucket of bloody rags was discovered in the basement of the home however when asked about it lizzie said that it just had to do with her menstruation at time the family doctor confirmed that it was her time in the month. During the trial, Emma Borden showed strong support for her sister and testified in her defense. However, Lizzie spent most of the trial acting odd and in a confused and scattered way. This was due to the fact that she was administered morphine every day before the trial by the family doctor. Because being high as a kite is just how you go through a trial, sure. Your own trial, no less. Mm-hmm. The doctor and Emma stated that this was used to help her stay calm, but was it really? Or was it just a way to make sure she didn't say anything she shouldn't or act even more
2: weird? Well, that doesn't make any sense, because if you're high as a cut, you're more likely to babble and say random weird things. I would think so. On um, morphine, it depends on how much they give you, because eventually you're going to hit, like, a fugue state. Because I've been on opiates, and I have said some weird <laughs> stuff.
1: Yeah, we've, we've all seen the, the videos when somebody has their wisdom teeth removed and their parents decide to record it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> on
1: June 20th, 1893, after only 90 minutes of deliberation, Lizzie was acquitted of all charges. This was due to a few reasons, one being the lack of forensic evidence linking Lizzie to the crime scene, such as there being no blood found on either her or her clothes, no direct link to the murder weapon, and another reason was that during this time in Victorian society, no one believed that a petite, sweet-looking Christian woman would be capable of such a violent act. Also, there was the court's reluctance to execute a rich lady, because now that the parents were out of the way, they had money. After her acquittal, Lizzie and Emma returned to their family home, and after considerable settlements were paid to settle claims made by Abby's family, the sisters inherited a large estate which allowed them to buy a new home in the Hills District, which was basically the rich part of town. Around this time, Lizzie changed her name to Lisbeth, and in her new, rich, influential neighborhood, she continued to attend the same church and hoped that her newfound wealth would finally help her fit into the upper-class society that she longed to be part of. However, friends and acquaintances soon stopped talking to her, she was no longer met with cordial greetings, and people began to avert their eyes upon seeing her. Makes think she made anybody nervous. Possibly. Awesome. <laughs> Lizzie made matters even worse by never wearing mourning clothes to honor her father and stepmother, which was what you did at the time, mm-hmm. and flaunting her wealth. She bought new carriages and horses, fashionable and expensive clothes, and traveled to Boston, New York, and Washington, where she stayed in expensive hotels and indulged in her love of theater. As the obsession with the case lived on and everyone's belief that she had gotten away with murder continued, eggs were thrown at her house, churchgoers shunned her at services, and rope-skipping children maligned her with sing-song verses of a popular new rhyme.
0: Lizzie Borden took an axe, gave her mother forty wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father forty-one.
1: Because that's not creepy. And then, when you, you skip rope, you go one,
0: two, oh my mm-hmm. gosh. Mm-hmm. Kids are savage. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Still, the sisters lived peacefully until 1904 when Lizzie met actress Nance O'Neill. The two formed a strong bond. There was even rumors that they were lovers. Emma did not approve of the friendship, and after Lizzie threw a party for O'Neill and her acting troupe in their home in 1905, Emma moved out abruptly. Unfortunately for Lizzie, O'Neill only remained with her for a short time, and it has been argued that she only became friends with Lizzie in the first place due to selfish reasons, such as Lizzie's reputation as a murderess, her money, and the notoriety that being associated with her would give her. The sisters never spoke again, and neither one would ever explain why. Was it because Emma was scared of Lizzie? Did Emma have a lover? Or was it something else?
0: No one knows much about Emma's life after she left Lizzie.
2: Lizzie would not care if Emma had a lover if she was throwing raucous parties with troops.
0: But Emma might not want her lover around Lizzie. Okay, that's fair. Oh. Well,
1: we may never know what the cause was, but they did oddly die only a few days apart in 1927, with Lizzie dying first.
0: Yeah, I think it was only like nine days. It's kind of like Emma was waiting for Lizzie to die. I don't
2: think you can do that. (laughs) You never know.
0: (laughs) Well, that is a little weird, right? It's kind of like, like I said, it's kind of like Emma was waiting for her to go first. Like, interesting. It's kind of like, was she waiting around to make sure Lizzie didn't say anything weird?
1: Keeping an eye on your your sister until the very end, that's creepy.
0: Mm-hmm. Nowadays, there is very little doubt that Lizzie Borden murdered her parents. It's just a question of how and why. For the last 130 years, people have debated over what Lizzie's motives would have been to kill her parents, and by consensus, there are three distinct possibilities. Money, abuse, and madness. Let's look at the first motive, money. Andrew Borden was a very rich man for the times. He had invested in mills, banks, and real estate, and had a net worth of about 300000 approximately $10 million today. He was considered one of the richest men in town and got a family bloodline that would have allowed him to be one of the most prominent men during this time. Yet it was well known that Andrew was tight-fisted with his money. He did not like to spend it on anything he felt was frivolous. The family lived in a modest house that lacked indoor plumbing or electricity, and although most of their relatives lived in the more fashionable part of town called The Hills, Andrew was content to stay where he was. So basically he was a miser. He was scrooge. That would get so irritating though, right? Not
2: not murder him irritating, Mm -hmm. but very irritating. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It was
0: well known that Andrew Gallaty sometimes caused friction in the household, most often with Lizzie, whose aspirations were to be like her friends and family living in the hills. Now, keep in mind, that although the Bordens were rich, they were not considered upper class by the town society. This was due to Andrew's frugal ways and somewhat shady reputation as a businessman, which ended up regulating the family to a middle-class social status. This was very frustrating for Lizzie due to her ambitions to live within the upper class. Because of this ambition, Lizzie was known to run up large tabs in local businesses, and overspend on the allowance that her father gave her, until eventually her father refused to cover her overspending, which resulted in Lizzie being embarrassed in front of the society she was attempting to impress. After this, a number of instances occurred where things went missing. Mm Dun-dun-dun. In 1891, cash and jewelry was stolen from the master bedroom in the Borden home. It was an open secret that Lizzie was suspected of having been the thief. She had also been accused by several local merchants of shoplifting. We can therefore argue that Lizzie was willing to go to great lengths to live within the social bracket she felt she deserved. It was also a well-known fact that both Emma and Lizzie did not like their stepmother, who married Andrew when Lizzie was about three. And the interesting thing, Lizzie liked Abby when her father first married her. She even, when she was younger, referred to her as mother. But when she got older, it like, it completely switched. So you have to wonder, was it due to influence by other people, such as Emma, that no, she's not our mother, we can't like her? Mm -hmm. Or other things.
1: Yeah, because she wouldn't have remembered her own mother if she was three when they married. Mm-hmm.
2: And if I can go back a little bit, that um, cash and jewelry stolen from the master bedroom, mm-hmm. a lot of the reason people thought it was her was because, again, the maze-like nature of the house. Mm-hmm. But burglar would come in, go straight to this bedroom that nobody knew where it was, grab cash, and leave without taking anything else in the house.
1: hmm yeah, you think you'd go for what's handiest by the doorway or something. Oh,
0: yeah. Okay. And like I said, neither of her or her sister called her mother. In fact, Lizzie referred to her as Mrs. Borden. And whenever Andrew gave Abby anything, the younger woman would launch into arguments about how giving property to a stranger would deprive his own daughters of their rights. Emma and Lizzie got into a big fight with their father over a gift of property that was made to Abby's sister that resulted in them taking an extended vacation to New Bedford, Massachusetts, and they returned just a week before the murders. And remember, it was shortly after her return that Lizzie attempted to buy poison, but was refused by the chemist. This week was also when the household, with the exception of Emma and Lizzie, became violently ill, which seems to show that before the murders, there may have already been at least one attempt on Andrew and Abby's life. This theory is reinforced by the fact that Abby was killed first and Andrew second, as this would have been necessary in order for Lizzie and Emma to inherit anything. If Abby had outlived her husband, then all of Andrew's money and property would have gone to Abby, and then after she died, it would have been passed to her family, and Lizzie and Emma would have gotten nothing. However, since Andrew outlived Abby, everything that she owned went to him, and then after he died, to Emma and Lizzie. The fact that neither Lizzie or Emma ever followed social traditions and publicly mourned either Andrew or Abby, along with the fact that upon Lizzie's acquittal and the collection of their new wealth, they immediately bought a big house in the Hills area and then living a very expensive and high life, shows that this theory could be possible.
1: You'd think if they were responsible and being looked at by everybody, they'd at least make a show of being in mourning or something. Yeah.
0: But then you have to go in again. At that time, women were not thought of being capable of stuff like that.
2: So they didn't do mourning clothes at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that there was like this progression of clothing. you could slowly come out. They didn't even bother to do the first one. Oh no, that's suspicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most people at least wear black for the funeral.
0: Yeah. yeah. It also explains a lot of Lizzie's odd behavior leading up to the murders. And Lizzie's still being unmarried at her age. Lizzie had a number of suitors that she had refused, but the reason she turned them down is because every one of her suitors were from her own social class, so middle class men. Whereas she only wanted suitors from the class she wished to be part of. Upper class, because she wanted to be rich.
1: If she thought that she was upper class, then yeah, she would look at all these guys as marrying
0: down. hmm So let's look at the second motive. The second motive is the idea that both Emma, Lizzie, and Bridget suffered from abuse at the hands of Andrew and that Abby knew about it but did nothing to stop it. It argues that Lizzie committed the murders, either while in a fugue state, never realizing what she did, or that she killed Andrew to ensure that he never touched her or Emma again, and also killed Abby because she had allowed the abuse to continue.
1: You'd think you'd go for the guy that was responsible first,
0: at least.
2: Yeah, that argues against the fugue state, Mm -hmm. anyway. Hmm. However, many
0: people have asked that if this theory is true and the abuse has been going on for years, then why didn't she do something sooner? The answer could be that something that day just finally caused her to snap. There are two ideas that could be the final act that caused the events to happen. In May of 1892, Andrew killed a group of pigeons that had been roosting in the barn with a hatchet claiming that they were pests who would attract boys who would kill them. Lizzie, who had built a roost for the birds and had been taking care of them, was devastated.
1: So he killed them with a hatchet and that just happened to be what he was
0: killed with?
2: Mm Who kills Mm.
0: birds with a hatchet? Also that. The other possibility could be that if Lizzie witnessed Andrew abusing Bridget, someone who in looks was very similar to Lizzie and who was around the same age, it could have resulted in Lizzie coming to the realization that she needed to save herself or that she needed to save someone else because no one saved her. This theory also explains the family's forced isolation by Andrew and the fact that both Lizzie and Emma never married.
1: It does seem kind of weird that neither sister married Mm -hmm. by that point. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: The final theory was that Lizzie suffered from insanity, either as a result of abuse, neglect, or genetics. In the Victorian era, instances of mental illness were taken care of very privately, and knowledge about it was kept in the family. This meant that the person was very quietly sent to an asylum, but the family would tell people that they were taking an extended trip overseas or had died. This was because... Because poor people were crazy and went to asylums, while rich people were just considered eccentric and went on vacation. Sure. I mean, look what happened to Queen Elizabeth II's two hidden cousins, Sissa and Catherine Bowers-Lyon, or even Rosemary Kennedy.
2: Wasn't she the one that got lobotomized? Oof. Nobody <laughs> knew what happened to her until years and years later. Yeah, after her father died. Yeah, I think only her mother went and visited her regularly. No, so he had the lobotomy
0: done, and then it went wrong, yeah. and then he just hit her away and did not tell the rest of the family. Anything he didn't tell his wife anything. He told her that it was taken care, of and that's all he would say. And then after he died, she finally found out what happened and where her daughter was, and she immediately went and got her. Ah, that's where I heard that she went and saw her. Mm-hmm been well documented that Lizzie and Emma's mother, Sarah, suffered from peculiar spells and fits of anger, leading many to believe that she suffered from bipolar disorder. Now, bipolar disorder is hereditary, and it is likely that Lizzie also suffered given the accounts of her personality. She was said to suffer from mood swings, unprovoked anger, narcissism, and her kleptomania would have fit perfectly into this diagnosis. And it may also explain why Lizzie and Emma never married. Many suitors probably realized that Lizzie was peculiar after a single meeting, and could have been afraid that that peculiarity was hereditary, thus tainting Emma's prospect as well. You know, because in the Victorian era, the concept that it's all in the breeding and that blood will tell went a long way. There was also the odd conversation that Lizzie had with her friend and neighbor, Alice Russell, the night before the murders, where she stated that she felt an impending doom and that someone was watching the house and following her.
1: So she's either possibly setting up a story that something is is wrong and someone else is Mm -hmm. responsible and watching them all at this point already, or somebody really was and it wasn't their fault? Like, that doesn't seem as likely, but... She may have
0: actually believed it. Mm Mm-hmm. That's fair. In fact, the earlier trip that she took with Emma may have been an attempt to find a cure for her problems and give a reason for why Lizzie returned earlier from the trip than Emma, and instead of returning home right away, she checked into a boarding house for a few nights before going home. It is also interesting that if we give a basis to this theory, it would explain some comments that Andrew made earlier in the year, such as when he told others that he would not be going to Swansea this summer because of trouble in the family. He and Abby may have come to the conclusion that Lizzie was getting worse mentally and needed to be put away. And it would explain why Emma, who almost never left the house, would choose to go on an extended visit while Andrew handled the situation. It would also account for Andrew asking Emma how he would be able to get in touch with her if anything happened. It also answers the question as to why Emma and Lizzie's Uncle John, their mother's brother, was present in the house. He would have already been familiar with his sister's attacks and would have been able to help Andrew with Lizzie should trouble arise. At one point during John's visit, Lizzie did say that she overheard what they were talking about and it annoyed her. Lizzie's mental instability would also explain the giggling that Bridget attributed to Lizzie right after the murder of Abby. This would have been when Lizzie was standing at the top of the stairs, a location where Lizzie would have been able to see Abby's body. Okay, that's creepy. Mm -hmm. After the murders, Lizzie would never really have to worry about her remaining family trying to commit her as Emma would never want to commit her beloved sister and John would just go home. And they both now had a large reason to fear what would happen if they tried as well as the public shame that would have resulted. Lizzie never killed again. However, eventually Emma left Lizzie as well. Emma never stated why she moved out of her at Lizzie's house and never spoke to her again. But no longer being able to deal with Lizzie's erratic behavior due to a mental disorder would explain both why she left and why she never talked about her reasons. Lizzie herself would never really think that she did anything wrong and would instead believe that the problem was with Andrew and Abby. And see herself as the victim. In her mind she would have felt that she had been treated unjustly all her life by not only her father but by her stepmother as well and that now they were planning to to complete this injustice by attempting to put her away and that was completely intolerable as there was nothing wrong with her. Her fits of anger and mood swings were brought on by them. They were the reasons she acted the way she did. The final fact that gives weight to this theory is that later on in Lizzie's life Lizzie's constant companion was a woman by the name of Helen Leighton, a registered nurse who would have understood and known how to handle Lizzie these peculiarities. Now, all three theories are logical interpretations of events and all contain possibilities of the truth. However, the case of Lizzie Borden may remain a mystery forever. So now that we know a little more about the murders and the theories for what may have been behind them, let's dig a little deeper. Do you believe that Lizzie Borden killed her parents or was she innocent?
1: I mean, it sounds pretty likely. Somebody else wandering in through the maid's house, happening upon two people. 90 minutes apart. <laughs> yeah, especially when Lizzie was also in the house. The maid was in the house during some of this. It, it seems odd that nobody would bump
0: into these two.
2: Yeah, she, she definitely did it.
0: She did. Yeah. Yeah, I would have to agree. There's just so much evidence that you really have to go, well, it really couldn't be anybody else. Because, yeah, they left the kitchen door open, but Bridget was going in and out all day. Lizzie was going in and out all day. At one point, the maid from next door was also in their backyard because her and Bridget had a conversation for a little while. She would have seen anybody going in the kitchen door. And then how does a person murder someone and then just hang out in the house for 90 minutes before they murder the second person? That, and the fact that Lizzie claims that during both these murders, she never heard a thing. Like, construction in that era was not let soundproof everything. You could hear every creak, every
2: step, and how do you not hear an adult woman's body hitting the floor over your head? I'm sure they had carpet, but, you know, carpet and insulation are not the same thing.
1: Mm -hmm. And she had to have cried out. She saw somebody coming up behind her before it happened.
0: Well, she was facing the person head-on, and yeah. she might not have cried out if she knew the person, but the first blow hit the side of her head. It wouldn't have killed her instantly.
1: Exactly. She should have yelled at some point during this.
0: Mm-hmm. Andrew might have been a little different because he was asleep when the first blow fell. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, I, You know, he was probably just coming home for a nap like from his work because he just still didn't feel well mm-hmm. from the poison. Mm-hmm. So, probably he was just trying to really hard to sleep Mm -hmm. and just sort of listening to people walk around and stuff and Mm -hmm. then oh my eyes out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you believe that one of these three theories is true? Why or why not? Does it have to be only one?
1: No. Personally, from, from what we know for sure, it sounds likely that the money and possibly some instability were responsible, because I have no idea how something that violent could happen with somebody being completely in control. mm
2: mm-hmm. They need some help, or... I would argue that it's all three, to a point, because if Lizzie was mentally instable, then probably the family would feel more freedom to abuse her. And perhaps Emma as well. And that would have made her less able mentally to deal with it and cause her to go more toward that violent act. And also, statistically, women do not murder with hatchets. <laughs> um, I, no, I'm not to, not to say that it never happens, of course it does. Mm-hmm. But the, the poison thing that makes more sense and i feel like that might have been emma's plan. Mm. that could be and then when it didn't work lizzie was just like pff, <laughs> took matters into her own hands yeah and she knew that the that the proverbial hammer was about to fall mm-hmm. with getting her committed mm-hmm. and she was just crazy enough to to go through with it and emma was like well that could have gone better But money. Mm -hmm.
1: So did she? She leave the house on purpose to let her sister take care of things. Did her sister maybe get rid of her, or just wait until the perfect time?
2: Um, Well, I. I I buy the thing that Emma left so her father could take care of sending Lizzie Mm -hmm. out, and so she may have been surprised when she found out about the hatchet thing, but then just kind of went with it. Well, maybe
1: she believed in her sister's innocence at first. Maybe. That would be a
2: lot to swallow. But (laughs) but murdering with hatchets, especially Mm -hmm. attacking people, especially her father, his face is gone. Oof. Like, the man has no face. You don't attack somebody with that much ferocity in, like, such an intimate way. Because killing somebody with a hatchet is extremely intimate mm-hmm. in its own way. And without some kind of deep anger of some kind. And I feel like, even though money could definitely have been a factor can't have been just that. You would think at the very least that if it was
1: just the money, they would have gone about this in a smarter way. Because as far as, like, mystery novel type type setups are concerned, even if they've got some hang-ups about women being responsible, that's, that's a lot of evidence. Mm-hmm. Or at least a lot of that looks really, really, really super suspicious.
0: Yeah. I think that all three of them have possibilities mainly because you're thinking about if lizzie was mentally unstable it would explain why there would be an isolation around Mm -hmm. family Mm -hmm. because one it would be an embarrassment and two it would sully all of emma's prospects of getting married because people did have such hang up over genetics Mm -hmm. and breeding and that kind of stuff or lizzie did have some form of bipolarism the narcissism that comes with that would caused her to be very angry over the fact that she was not given the money she felt she deserved. That she was not given the respect she felt she deserved. She did not give the lifestyle she felt she deserved. And all of that would be, in her mind, Andrew and Abby's fault. To some extent, because there was so much anger about her father giving Abby and Abby's family gifts, more of her anger would be turned towards Abby due to the fact that she could see it as Abby influencing her father and stealing from them, which would explain why Abby was brutalized more than her father. It would also explain why, after the murders, both the doctor and Emma would go to such extreme lengths to keep Lizzie from talking. Due to that narcissistic behavior, because Lizzie would not see that she did anything wrong. Mm -hmm. She got justice for the injustices that were being done against her. So there would be no reason in Lizzie's mind why she shouldn't tell everybody what she did. She did something right against a wrong that was being done. And then it would also explain why Emma would never try to commit her sister again. One, she'd be afraid that she'd get murdered too. Yeah. And two, the scandal, because then it would come out that Lizzie did actually murder her parents.
1: Yeah, it's one thing to have the whole town thinking, so it's another thing to have somebody sent away and have it practically confirmed. Mm-hmm.
2: But she'd just go on vacation. It yeah. was too strange. No wonder that actress lady left as soon as the sister left the house. I wouldn't mm-hmm. want to be alone in the house with Lizzie Gordon mm-hmm.
0: Well, then it would also explain mm-hmm. why after a while, if Lizzie was mm-hmm. bipolar, living with an unmedicated person with bipolar disorder, it's going to cause you extreme anxiety because mm-hmm. you're never going to know what they're going to do, what mm-hmm. going to, ta- whether they're going to be on an up or a down. Mm-hmm. And... I could understand why eventually she would just go, I can't do this anymore, mm-hmm. and we'll leave. But that she would take the steps to make sure that someone who understood Lizzie's condition would be there to watch out for her to make sure she doesn't go mm-hmm. off on someone. Like a nurse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also don't give much credence to the poison angle. Just because Andrew was so fickle about spending money, like they would buy meat on Monday and they would still be eating that same meat on Friday. Ew. Because he would make them eat it till. and there's no refrigeration, but you're eating for a week to two weeks until, because he's gonna make them use it till it's gone. And this was the summer, right? Yeah, and it's summer, it's the hottest part of the year. You, he, not only would he make them use up the meat, which food poisoning becomes a possibility. Yeah. But he's not going to admit that he caused his family to have food poisoning, which would explain why he, one, he didn't want to pay the doctor, and two, he's not going to admit that he's making his family eat rotten food because that makes him look bad. Then buy decent food. But here's the thing. With men in that era, he was frugal. He didn't want to spend the money. But it's either You're proud of not spending that money because you're looking like you're you're saving it and you're not coddling your family. But even that has an ending to, I'm going to poison my family because we're going to eat this raw meat.
2: But, you know, he's probably really proud of the fact that he's so wealthy. And Mm -hmm. he probably attributes it to his frugality rather than the opportunities that he's had. You know, people tend to do that. Why do you think the Lizzie Borden case is so popular now? Well, for the same reason that the Jack the Ripper stuff is so popular now, you know, it's an old case that's not really solved, but there's loads of theories, and also it kind of plays into the, see, women really can be murderers.
1: It considered especially shocking at the time, because mm-hmm. yeah. it
2: wasn't just a, a violent
1: crime, it was who they suspected.
0: I think the world has always been obsessed with death and murder, and the fact that technically it was never solved, or the fact that she got away with it. makes it very appealing. But you also have to add in the two other factors. One, it was one of the few times that a woman's femininity and perceived weakness and second-class nature was an advantage. Because a lady is not going to murder someone with a hatchet. They do not have those tendencies. Women see blood and they faint or go into hysterics. That's silly.
1: I mean, according to all the Agatha Christie type stuff, no... (laughs) <laughs> they, they very much did not think that women would do anything
2: violent. Mm-hmm. I could think Christie knew things.
0: <laughs> the second reason,
2: ghosts. Ghost. One of the big drawings <laughs>
0: that you can stay in the Borden murder house mm. and possibly interact with the ghosts of Andrew, Abby, and possibly Lizzie herself.
1: That is so creepy. hmm mm.
0: It's big business. I think the, the house is now a hotel, so you stay in one of the rooms. You can stay in the room Abby was murdered in, and you could possibly interact with one of their ghosts. Mm-mm. Are there any books or movies or TV shows that you would recommend that people look into?
1: There was a Buzzfeed Unsolved episode about it. That's kind of interesting. It covers a lot of the same stuff, but he did mention that there was a theory that Lizzie didn't do it by herself, that the maid was an accomplice.
2: Mm-hmm. Pretty sure that Supernatural did an
0: episode about it. <laughs> I think they did, yeah. They did an episode about everything. Um, Yeah, yeah, they did. (laughs) Book wise, I would recommend The Trial of Lizzie Borden by Kara Robertson. It's a very good nonfiction that does many different points of view and narratives and tries to give you a pretty good full picture. Movie wise, I would suggest Lizzie Borden Took an Axe, starring Christina Ricci and Claire Duvall. It definitely is a movie that promotes the money theory. When was this done? 2014. Okay. Though to some extent I'm watching it, I will also argue the madness angle, but that might just have been Christina Ricci's portrayal, because she's very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's very good at looking mildly crazy, but mm-hmm. not quite. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's also the 2018 movie, Lizzie, starring Chloe Sabine and Kim Dickinson and Kristen Stewart, and it promotes the abuse angle. Um, it basically says that Bridget and Lizzie were in a relationship, and Lizzie caught her father abusing Bridget. Which I wouldn't, I wouldn't actually argue that theory just because Lizzie couldn't remember Bridget's name. She called her Maggie, which was the name of their old
2: housekeeper. Yeah, Lizzie may have been a lesbian, fine, but I don't think she would have been a lesbian with her maid. That seems very out of character for someone with that kind of aspiration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she would have picked a rich lady. Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> Um, however, you're looking for something just sort of fun. There is a rock musical called
0: Lizzie, the Musical. The music from this production is absolutely amazing, I love it to no end, and the musical devolves into, into the mind of Lizzie Borden and speculates on the motives she may have had, and it includes the, the theories of inheritance, history of sexual abuse, and then the overwhelming oppression and madness, mm-hmm. and set to rock and roll, so it's it's fun. okay
2: anybody got any other
0: comments or
2: i i would like to give a shout out Mm -hmm. to lizzie borden for her dedicated work to animal rescue okay so she did do some good she did because everybody likes puppies even murderous crazy people <laughs> <laughs> okay we would like to thank everyone for joining us and if you'd like to learn
0: more about this topic or just check out some of the library's amazing items on this topic such as the trial of lizzie borden a true story by claire robertson the cases that haunt us from jack the ripper to john Bene ramsey the fbi's legendary mind hunter sheds light on the mysteries that won't go away by john douglas Or, if you're a little more into fiction, Maplecroft: the Borden Dispatches by Sherry Priest, you know, give you a little Lizzie Borden mixed with a little Lovecraft, something for everyone. Make sure to stop by the library or the library's next Library on the Go event. We hope everyone had as much fun as we did. Remember, the library's next Library on the Go event will be on Thursday, September 15th, and our topics will be banned books, Victorian Crime, and Horrifying Reads. Please come join us on the third floor of the Educational Services Building from 11 to 1230. We would like to thank our guest co-host Mary for joining us today. Thanks everyone. And we hope to see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.